But then she asked me why, you know, I wanted to get into TV and make documentaries. And I said, because in the police, we all start with a view that we want to change the world, right? We want to do good. We want to make a difference. And I hate saying make a difference because I think sometimes it's put on a bumper sticker and put in a police station and it's the new campaign. But you do. You don't get into the cops and put up with what you put up with unless you fundamentally care about people. Yet as a DSPS sitting on a desk, I didn't feel like I could make any difference. But guess what can make a difference? You make a film that two million people watch, that's watched and causes politicians to shiver because they know Mm. I've now got to do something about this because everyone's Mm. tweeted about it. That gets real change. So if I've got an opportunity to be involved with or make my own, then a film could potentially do more than I could ever do in a career in the police. If you're a police officer or currently working in law enforcement and you're considering your career, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Andy Labrum. Welcome to the Blue Light Leavers podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Blue Light Leavers podcast. So today I'm talking with Ashley Turner. Now, Ash is now working within the TV industry. And in this interview, he talks us through uh, what he was doing in the police, his rationale for leaving and uh, going on a career break. Um, He then talks about uh, how he saw this particular role and basically just decided to wing it and give it a go. And uh, the whole story is just amazing. Um, I know you're really going to enjoy this. I'm not going to spoil anything, so let's go over to Ash now. Hi, Ash. Thank you so much for joining us on the Blue Light Leavers podcast. It's uh, a a real privilege and um, and I know you've got a great story to tell. So thank you very much for agreeing to be interviewed. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's an honour to be on it. I've, uh, I've listened to the podcast and I just think it's amazing what you're doing and what the group is doing. It's like daily motivation for anybody, really. It's fantastic. Oh, that's really kind of me. Thank you for that. And it just came out of nowhere, really. It was it was just sort of word of mouth and it's just gone nuts from there, really. So, uh, yeah, lovely. It's lovely to be able to give back as well. So, uh, yeah, very grateful. Thank you for that. Um, right then. So let's talk about um, your previous history do you want to tell us what it is you're doing now and then we'll go back into what it was that you were doing previously so at the moment i'm working in television and producing television programs in the current affairs stroke blue light strand and i moved into television for for documentary and you know as as i'll talk about later on being a, a cop in telly is very niche and at the moment there's so much commissioning being done of blue light programs it's kind of round pegs and round holes and territory so i've kind of been oh, fantastic. trying desperately not to be a one-trick pony but you know sometimes you've got to be yeah well you've got to and it's stuff you know it's stuff you enjoy you know why wouldn't you so and um, what what it was try that again what was it you were doing previously yeah in the in the place so i i joined in 2004 um did my time as everybody did moved into source handling unit um, did that for two years probably wasn't a good fit for me if I'm being completely honest um, I'm quite a it's a covert role and I'm quite an overt character with um, you know the, the performance side of things that I had going on that sort of ran in tangent with the uh, with policing um, after that I moved into child protection and you know had some probably five five years in child protection which was fantastic you know some of the most challenging 
stressful, horrific, but brilliant work. Some really good times there um, and some really good work. Um, a lot of multi-agency stuff. Um, then I got promoted. So I went and did two years as a response skipper. And again, some of the best times of my career were at those three departments, really. Um, but being a response skipper was in Wellingborough was fantastic. Um, mm. And then kind of, I was really enjoying being a response skipper and having a response team. And I kind of wanted to do that. But because of my child protection background and the multi-agency work I'd done, at the same time, they were opening up the MASH in the multi-agency safeguarding hub. They mm. kind of moved me there um, mm. and put me there in post. Um, and then I had to manage a, a team that was predominantly police staff and then bridge the gap between the child protection team. So effectively, I was working from a local authority building with social workers um, who are still friends today and, and police mm. staff and sort of overseeing all risks that came into child protection. Um, and I stayed there for probably two, three years, went through the HMRC inspection where we got, you know, quite heavily criticised as a force and then was part of the rebuilding and rebranding mm. and, and trying to do things better, which was a great process to go through. Mm. Um, and then, um, yes, after that was the MASH, HMRC inspection, and then I went into intelligence as a FIO on an FIO desk. And that's the point when I did a little stint in PIU as a PIU skipper. Loved that. Love, love the PIU job. But so just so people who might not know what that is. What's, Sorry, what's yeah, a prisoner investigation unit. And effectively, and F FIO as well, and FIO, a uh, force intelligence F officer. Yeah, gotcha. um, yeah, brilliant. but yeah, the prisoner <laughs> handling unit was the job that you can't please anybody because you, you try and bat prisoners away, and the response officers hate you and you know cannot understand why you won't take this prisoner. And then the prisoners you do take, you're trying to give them to your staff, and they don't want them because <laughs> they've got so many prisoners. So yeah, of course, no, it's a no win. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that's yeah. tough. It was, it was. Nice I, I used to enjoy it. Um, and then, yeah, FIO, uh, Force Intelligence Unit at the end, which is when I first decided, you know what, I'm going to take, I'm going to have a career break and press mm. the button on that. Because at the time, you know, I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but, you know, it, it was the right time to just tap out for a little while. Um, yeah. And then what, that was that point, what was What was going on then? What, um, what made you get to the point where... Um, <sighs> You know, if you're happy to talk about you know, anything at all, but it's if, if you know, I don't want to take you down a hole that you don't want to go into, sort of thing. So, if, if you're happy to talk, but what was it that was um, that made you think actually I could do with a with a just hitting the pause for now? And because you, you touched briefly as well on um, your performance roles that you were sort of doing on, <laughs> say, role, but what you're doing on the side as well, and you're an absolute legend. So, if, <laughs> if you can sort of expand on that a little bit as well, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm a was professional magician so i i was i was open up my stand-up set saying i do tricks for cash but then that's a <laughs> completely different meaning as well um but yeah so i've been a close-up magician um my whole life and that's kind of always been a business interest that i've had going i've always you know i've, I've been all over the world and performed i've been very fortunate um used it a lot in the police as well um from tricks at community officers to entertaining people on night shifts to charity functions in the police, you name it. I was mm -hmm. the, um, I was the card trick guy. Um, so that Incredible. became, you know, incredibly important. 
um, and I got some fantastic opportunities. I was on ITV and then, you know, I've just had my own show I wrote and commissioned and, you know, went out and it's still available on the iPlayer. <laughs> So yeah, that's been a fantastic thing. And actually having that and having that completely separate life helped me in departments like child protection and things like that, because it was my kind of way, you know, completely separate to my policing life. Um, yeah. So, so important. So yeah. important. You're so good, mate. Honestly, it's, um, you. You know, so, so for those listening and, and Ash and I, so, know each other from from many many years and um, I've, I've been dying to get you on the podcast for ages because you've got such a great story so uh, but yeah complete legend and just so so good and you know I, and, I don't know weddings and things like that as well it's just incredible we went down that route it was uh, and, and I love the fact it was that was sort of your happy place if you like wasn't it it was um you know the thing that that, that gave you that bit of respite and, and away from those really tough roles yeah and I think that was you know, I, I've always been, I'm a people person. So that's why I joined the cops. You know, I, I like people. I like talking to people and I like being out and about doing what I think a police officer should do. Mm. Um, and I guess sitting on an FIB desk, I realized I'm not, I don't think I'm doing police work. I'm, I'm not doing work. I'm wanted to do, you know, that, that work that, drove me to to fill in the application form in 2003 you know mm. I, I was sitting there doing firearms risk assessments for jobs because somebody's rang up the control room and said joe's got a revolver and it's hidden in his garden and and that's you know getting wrong I, i'm fully aware that risk assessments need to be done but sometimes there was that be, we had a culture where it was like firearms been said right five hours of your day is mm. going to be done right up you know, as a supervisor, it's the poor officers that are on there. And you think, mm. hold on, could we just not have put a bit more, you know, rationale behind why we don't need to do that? Mm. And I find that it was all the time I was just step, sat by a desk. And then, you know, the introductions of things like niche and computer mm. systems that, that you're not adequately trained in, you know, your training consists of come and watch a PowerPoint presentation and go and see PC Smith, who's got a badge called him a super user. You know, yeah. I'm I'm not clever in that respect. So it's and and I saw many cops as well get frustrated with it and mm. sit there thinking, hold on, I don't, I don't think I've been prepared for this. Um, mm. And now the system that I've known and loved for years has gone away, and I'm not resistant to change, but change has to be probably um, you know trained better, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you got to the point where you, you thought, actually, I, I need to hit pause and take a career break. And, and what happened at that point? Yeah, I, I decided that the magic business was doing well. And I'm an incredibly positive person. Well, I've always tried to be incredibly positive in everything I've done in the police um, because I genuinely love the job and adore the people. Um, but I found that the culture around me was getting ever negative um, completely. And managing a, a team that were you know you know everybody had their own stresses and pressures and i just found that that environment probably just needed a break from um so yeah so i applied for a career break to go and you know what? i'm going to be self-sufficient and be a close-up magician and see what happens there and and did took the took the big step to to leave and do that um a leap into unknown and you know all of a sudden that 20th of the month payday isn't there anymore. And if the phone doesn't ring, 
you don't pay your bills, um, which yeah. was horrifying. Um, so did you um, did you have a, a stack of bookings? So you had you had a bit of safety in terms of stuff you were leaving for. So you prepped, you got everything ready for for that hit the button. Yeah, yeah. I think the the preparation for it was was key really to make sure that you've got you know got enough in the diary to say we're okay. You know, we're going to be okay for the next few months, and you know, and and I just always wondered where could that go if I devoted my whole time to it? Um, you know, not not finishing shift at, at 5 p.m. and having a gig at 7.30, you know, mm. that was chaos, you know. Um, mm. So, yeah, so, so I planned for it and, you know, it, it did very well. You know, I was, I was, you know, doing, I was surviving, I was paying my bills, I was, you know, enjoying myself and then, you realise actually, I've gone from a, an environment where I'm with everybody, and now I'm living quite a lonely existence in my car, driving up and down the motorway, and you know the only entertainment and human interaction I get is from the lady serving me a Ginsters pasty at BP petrol station, <laughs> and that wasn't, uh, you know, and I realised I was just the car trick guy then, and I kind of, yeah. and I had this thing I used to say, I missed being important, which is you know. So I'm not trying to say I was important, but in my head, I think we all like to feel important. And Absolutely. We're defined by our identity is so, um, so defined by what it is that we do for a living. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's so then. And then I got a bizarre message from HR that said, we're short on numbers and we need officers back. So we're, you've either got to resign or come back. Right. And at that point, thinking, after how long, Ash? How long had you been out for? I think it was just over a year. So okay. I hadn't had the, you know, you get given them, the, is it five years? I think it was. And I had only ever planned to do two, you know. So all of a sudden, I'm sitting there going, my God, that resignation is horrifying <laughs> for anyone. But resignation to be a self employed magician is crikey, you know, what? What can I do? Um, okay, I'm going back in, and okay. um, yeah, so I, I went back in, <laughs> and yeah, went went back into FIB, and sat there, and then got pulled into the inspector's office one day and said, "Somebody's reported you on the bad apple line for attempted mortgage fraud." Firstly, I don't own a house. I've not applied for a mortgage. But thirdly, how sad is that that somebody has been, I don't know what it was. So that was really stressful. Um, really hard to take that, that kind of covert, secret, somebody somewhere in your environment thinks mm. that it wants to, you know. So I thought, I went home and I was like, do you know what? <laughs> this is really, you know, I... I'm not enjoying this. And, you know, I'm, I'd gone back in and I probably still wanted to be out. And mm. now there's this thing, you know, I have to say it was handled incredibly well by my inspector at the time. And it mm. never, it never went because it, it was nothing, you know, I, I yeah. didn't yeah. even, I had nothing going on. I, but I think that the thought was I'd come back into the police to get the paychecks, to get a mortgage because I'd said, I think I'd said somewhere along the line, like, you know, you can't get good luck getting a mortgage when you're self-employed because it's very mm -hmm. difficult for self-employed people to get any kind of, you know, mm -hmm. um, things. But yeah, so that was kind of left a really, made me very paranoid. Um, mm. 
and working in intelligence and being paranoid um, is probably not a good combination. Um, so I was kind of at a bit of a loss at that point thinking, well, what do I do? Because, you know, I won't really just want to go back to, you know, regular policing. Mm. But now I've been promoted, so I can't go back as a cop. And uniform response team, you know, I'm, I'm specialised and I'm there now. So where, you know, where do you go? Um, and, you know, I'd had a bit of a, a another bugbear, you know, I sat my inspector's exam and missed by 2%. And, mm. you know, I, I have to work for exams. Like, I am not... I have to read, I'm a creative, I'm trying to be creative and I can chat and I can sit a, an interview. But when it comes to that working out and A, B and C, it's, I find it very difficult. So I had to really work, missed by 2%. And it was like, I'm now working for an organisation that is, 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 doesn't help people who are maybe creative and might have, you know, there's plenty of people out there that aren't academics but have incredible emotional intelligence, they make good leaders. And I'm in an organization where I cannot progress unless I get 65%. Well, that's ridiculous because you can't judge my ability to be a leader on what's in front of me on a three-hour exam. That's set, you, you know, and that means that people that do get past that thing, you know, you know, it's almost like you can have no emotional intelligence, be a terrible leader, be not, you know, just not motivate people and not be a good people manager. But because you can sit and memorize a page on a book, you're the manager of this organization. Yeah. I yeah. thought, you know what? I don't think that's where I want to be. Yeah. It's deeply flawed, isn't it? The process is deeply flawed. Yeah, there's no, you know, I can, and you can probably tell me many people, like you think about some of those great cops that you've worked mm. with, like, and mm. you think, my word, I would follow you into a PSU or if you stand told me yeah. that, you know, we need to do X and Y, I'm going to follow you wherever because you are good police and yeah. none of them ever get the chance to get promoted because maybe they haven't got the time to sit and devote to the books. Maybe they're not academic. Maybe they haven't got the confidence to go and do that. Mm. They never become leaders within the police service. And that's a travesty for younger cops. Mm. Right. Mm. Yeah, agreed. So, so yes, what so, I was, so I was on, I was on LinkedIn thinking, I know what I'll do. I'm going to pay one of those companies, write my CV, get on LinkedIn, because I tell you now, cops, whew, we can get jobs in the private sector, can't we? we <laughs> oh, everyone will be jumping for joy that Ash Turner from North Ants Police has finally decided to give up his career in the police and I'm going to give him a job as X or Y. Well, they're, they're, they're queuing up on it because of our transferable skills. There you go. Yeah, of course. It's a, pet, a pet hate of mine. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And know. then you realise, you know, on LinkedIn, I've paid somebody to write my CV that's come back and I've gone, oh, is that me? Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And something popped up on LinkedIn that said, you know, um, Channel 4 were running a scheme to get people with investigative experience into TV under the Channel 4 dispatcher strand. Wow. So it's called the Channel 4 Investors Investigative Setup Properly so you can edit it. <laughs> I work in telly. I pause. <laughs> it's called the Channel 4 Investigative Journalism Scheme, and they run it every year. They didn't run it last year because of COVID. Um, and it is a scheme designed for people like me or you or 
detectives or lawyers or anybody who's worked outside of telly to come into telly because TV realises it's been privileged white people who can afford to live in London and have mummy and daddy pay their bills to be runners to get the next step up to be an assistant producer and then produce and blah, blah, blah. I think they've realised now we need to be more diverse and it's, it's going through a massive change. The whole of TV is um, across all sides and they just wanted to, especially dispatchers who they wanted to bring new eyes in and yeah, it was, I saw the application, thought I clicked on that and thought not a chance, but all right. What was the, what was the question? The first question was write to us on what you think would make a good dispatchers investigation documentary. And I like watching docs. I like, I love watching mm. documentaries, you know, I've grown up watching Louis Theroux's and all, you know, dispatchers and loved, loved the dispatchers from, you know, that just making the comfortable uncomfortable, you know, that's, that's, you know, mm. that's what they try and do. Mm. Um, mm. And I wrote a report on, I was at the time really passionate about modern slavery, which was another frustration that the force hadn't really gripped it or was properly into it. You know, um, and I wrote up uh, what I thought would be a good investigation, which was around modern slavery, and got the call to Channel Four to come to the next phase. So there I was, thinking, wow. "Okay, I'm off to the big building in London," and you know, take a little selfie with the big four outside, and thought, "Crikey, I'm in a, I'm now in a TV studio setup, and they're going to be interviewing me about a job." So I walked in, got my lanyard walk downstairs and then all of a sudden I see all of these people and an incredible buffet that was laid on <laughs> and all of these people around I was thinking crikey okay this is this is like a selection day and I have no idea what's going to happen got my lanyard checked in and then people are mixing and mingling and having a drink and a cup of tea and chatting to people <laughs> like chatting to one guy oh you know Oh yeah, I'm a print journalist. I've just been, I've just come back from Afghanistan. Right. Oh yeah, I've been, I've been writing on Syria. And I'm thinking, okay, I've just come from Campbell Square. <laughs> and I have not been writing on Syria. And I, I'm not a journalist in any way, you know, I'm just a cop that's taken a bit of a punt and fancies a bit of a change. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I went outside. I, I remember I was, had my lanyard on. Went outside and rang Sarah, my wife, and I said, what am I doing here? Like, there, it's a journalism scheme. I don't know why I'm even here. They seem to be all journalists. And I couldn't get, I couldn't walk through to hand my lanyard over because it was really crowded. So I thought, do you know what? I'll just, I'll just stay and see what happens. Mm. And, and so I did. Um, and then... Had you been given any indication as to what was going to happen that day? No, it was just come down for... So literally just tip for, up. For an assessment assessment wow. day or in you know I, I thought it'd be more of an interview it, it turned yeah. out like it was it turned out it was like the hunger games and it was you know <laughs> different phases and different it was classic telly um oh, so let's go through let's go through that let's go through this okay. a little bit more go on uh, so i'm in there i've got my lanyard i'm speaking to all these guys and girls and all from various different journalistic print backgrounds and some super smart people and then i found like there was a a lawyer that was there, I was thinking, crikey, a lawyer, um, an accountant, thinking, wow, an accountant, and then a doctor, thinking, my oh, word, there's, 
you know, where do I fit in here? I'm still just a cop, right? Couldn't hand my lanyard back in. So I thought, right, I'm going, we get taken into this room, big room at Channel 4 with a huge cinema. It was a cinema, effectively. It's where they show, like, they, they show their programmes before they're going out. And the head of news and current affairs, Louisa Compton, came forward and she was, you know, welcome to Channel 4's assessment day. And then they played this thing, this really Gucci sizzle tape of all the shows Channel 4 made. Just, poof, poof, poof. I'm thinking, crikey, I'm going I'm to work in telly with, you know, the posh buffets and the pretentious coffees. This is... <laughs> fantastic um and then it was taken through um and the first thing we had to do was was like a structured interview where we'd been told to, to the case that we thought would make a good episode we were going to be presenting it so i guess it was a first insight into what i now know is pitching so i'm sat there with you know three guys from channel four um and they were just quizzing me on why i thought it would make good telly um and i had to sit there and present and luckily I'd done quite a bit of presenting in the police like training and things so I'd gone through and what you realize is as a cop you know your subject matters you know you might not think you have because you've not written it down or whatever but you just know it because I think as cops that's what we do we just know we know store we know people's stories and we know what the mm. what the issues are so I presented that and then thank you very much then we went back into a holding room where everyone else is there talking about how did it go? What did they ask you? And blah, blah, blah. And then an hour passed or something later. And then they came through and read out a list of people. Ashley Turner, John Smith, Sarah, blah, blah, blah. Come with us. And they split the room. So I'm like, oh, where, where's this going? We went through to another room. And then they said, you know, congratulations. You're through to the next phase. And the other guys in the other room, they got champagne and canapes and off you go home. And now we're next through to the next phase, which was an interview with the head commissioner of Channel 4. And there was no subject. It was just, you're going to be interviewed. Um, and they said, you should know dispatches. I was thinking, well, I've watched a few, but I, I've, you know, and I'm, there was a computer there and I was logging in going, right, searching <laughs> dispatches episodes. And I was trying because I thought mm -hmm. the natural question would be, what's your favourite Dispatches episode? <laughs> so I just Googled Dispatches episode, picked one and just thought, well, that's my favourite because that's the one I can memorise in the next 10 minutes. So I'm prepping like crazy for this, thinking, oh, just don't embarrass yourself. Don't do that. And then I got called for my interview and I, I remember walking in and I just thought, you know what? Do not pretend to be anything that you're not because I've done that before. I've done it in the cops. I've pretended to be something I'm not. And do you know what? You get, not that you get found out by somebody else, but you find yourself out and you go, ah, I'm so unauthentic. So I thought, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to talk about me. And if you don't like it, it wasn't a fit. And off I go. I'll go and, you know, go and perform at a bar mitzvah. It's fine. Uh, and... I sat down and yeah, some of the questions. I remember there was one point in the interview and I was a bit annoyed because the person that was interviewing me was constantly on, always on checking, like looking at their phone, which I thought, like, you would never get a, you know, a superintendent interview for a board doing that. But then I've realized that's just TV, execs, private sector kind of thing. And I thought, well, you're constantly texting your phone. But I guess when you're the head of news and current affairs, you kind of expect mm. to do that. 
I remember that one question was, um, where do you, how do you consume your news and what journalists do you follow and whose work do you like? And I just thought, right, you could be unauthentic here and blag this, but they're going to catch you out because they're going to drill down. Because the truth is, I've got the BBC News app. So I said, ah, BBC News. And she looked and went, was that it? I said, yeah. She said, well, what kind of things concern you? I said, things that affect me. Like, you know, if there's something, if there's an, if there's an idiot politician who's doing something about the police, mm. I'm going to be interested in that and I'm going to have a view on it. If some home office, you know, the, the home secretary is going to try and take away my pension, I'm going to care about that. Mm. Um, so I said, I only really, and she looked at me dead in the eyes and said, so you only really follow journalism that affects you? I said, yes. <laughs> and I thought at that point, I thought I might as well just go home now because I've just gone, do you know what? All this journalism lot that you spend all your millions of, I'm not even consuming it yet. I want to be, you know, mm. um, but then she asked me why, you know, I wanted to get into TV and make documentaries. And I said, because in the police, we all start with a view that we want to change the world, right? We want to do good. We want to make a difference. And I hate saying make a difference because I think sometimes it's put on a bumper sticker and put in a police station and it's the new campaign. But, you know, you do. You don't get into the cops and put up with what you put up with unless you fundamentally care about people. Mm. Yet as a DSPS sitting on a desk, I didn't feel like I could make any difference. But guess what can make a difference? You make a film that two million people watch, that's watched and causes politicians to shiver because they know mm. I've now got to do something about this because everyone's mm. tweeted about it. That gets real change. So if I've got an opportunity to be involved with or make my own, then a film could potentially do more than I could ever do in a career in the police. Wow. What a response. And, and, I hadn't prepped that. I, that was me just being authentic and thought, you know what? I watched, you know, I've gone on to work with Anna Hall, who's, you know, a director who made Hunt for Britain sex scams, which, you know, was the whole sexual abuse and the grooming before mm. grooming was something that police talked about. A filmmaker was making a film on it because they had the stories mm. and look what changed that world's about. I, I saw that in the mash, you know, and weirdly I ended up working for Anna making you know, the hunt for Britain's um, child drug runners, sorry, um, dispatches child drug runners. Um, mm. You know, so I believed that and I said it and then I kind of walked away and thought, I don't think she's getting by that BBC News answer. Um, and then I kind of waited and waited around in Channel 4 and waited thinking, I've got told, I was told that I was to find out today. And then I got told, no, you're not going to find out today. We never told you we were going to find out today. You're going home. So, I went home and and then there was another phase. Then it was congratulations, you got through your, your your pitching session, you got through your interview. Now there's three of you that are going up to production companies, um, and it's going to be the person who runs the production company that decides who they want to employ. Because essentially, we're Channel Four are going to pay your wages for you to work in a production company to get a start mm. in, the, in the industry. Mm. And I'm going to Leeds to work with Anna Hall, who's was just a good fit. You know, I, I came from a child yeah. section, human trafficking background, and 
she's made films of them. But the problem was it was in Leeds and I live in Northampton and the job would have been in Leeds. So it was another one of, why am I doing this? This is ridiculous, but let's, let's go up, drove up, came up to Farsley in Leeds, um, you know, <laughs> turned up in my classic police outfit, you know, shirts, blue, bluish shirt, reddish tie, white, you know, so white shirts, blue suit, red tie. And looking back now, I always joke about it with Anna because nobody in TV dresses like that ever. No. Talk about how to look like a cop. Um, but I think Anna, you know, when she's gone on to tell me, you know, she saw me as, oh my word, she said, as soon as she got the CV and thought we could have a cop working for us in documentary filmmaking, this could be fantastic for both people. Um, wow. and it, you know, it worked, it worked really well. I went straight on to make, you know, the, the dispatches on Britain's youngest, um, Get the name wrong, it's terrible. Britain's Child Drug Runners, which was a County Lines documentary for Channel yeah. 4. Yeah. Um, went straight on to that. Um, so when did it get to old Yes, Ash? When did that oh, sorry. So then, so then I went away from Anna, um, and Anna sort of said to me, you know, and I kind of knew it was going well because she said, you do realise what the pay is. I was like, I've got no idea. Like, I've, this is a blind leap of faith. This is me saying, I'll do it. And they said, well, it's, it's 12 grand for the six months. So what was that equivalent? 24 grand. So it's, I think it was like 500 pounds a week before tax. Right? So all of a sudden I'm going, crikey, that's, that is a lot less than I, not a lot less, but it, a, a mortgage repayment. Significantly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then, then what I was getting in the cops for six months and I've got to uproot and move up to Leeds. Um, but I guess you sit there and you think at that point, I kind of thought, Crack, I think I've got to get the job here. And then mm. I went back and had to wait around, I think it was a couple of days because Anna had to interview one more person before me, um, after me. And then I got the call saying, you know, we'd love you to come and start. And I thought, wow. oh no, now's the difficult bit. Absolutely. Because, yeah. The cops are not going to let me be a journalist working for Channel 4 and being on a career break. It's just not going to happen. Hmm. So now I've got to sit down and, you know, resign. And hmm. that's horrifying, you know, because now hmm. all of a sudden, I know there's the five-year window and all this that, I don't know whether that's an old wives' tale or something, but, you know. I no, no, it's legit. Yeah, I've, I've seen the paper. So it definitely I, exists, yeah. So I thought, I have got that, um, but would they ever have me back knowing that I've worked in a journalism field? Are they always going to think, is he another secret policeman now? You know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was very much, you're doing this. Um, and I genuinely believe, unless you commit to something, you're never going to give it everything. So I knew I had six months to prove myself, otherwise I wouldn't have a job. And I'd have the magic book. You know, but if I do prove myself and do prove my worth, I know that in TV you can expect, you know, a good pay and, you know, nice perks. You know, I don't mm. have to pay for my own Christmas party anymore. Man, that was a big, big, big shock. <laughs> what? Don't even have to pay into a tea fund. Like you're gonna, you know, I work for the company I work for now. Have uh, there's an app at our desk and we order teas and coffees and it gets delivered. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> No. Oh, brilliant.
So next next day, so you've got the yes. Yes, got and, it. And um, so you've handed your resignation. You yeah. drop, drop down menu resignation thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and I got my thank what, you letter that wasn't yeah, signed. I, oh, really? Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, dear. Brilliant. Yeah. Felt, felt really, felt, felt really, Valued. I felt like my, my 14, my 14 <laughs> years service was really appreciated when that, un- <laughs> didn't even have my name, it had dear blank, thank you ever so much for your service, from <laughs> the printed chief constable's name. It's like, come on. Oh dear. Oh. Um, right, yeah. let's talk about your uh, your, your transition then and your, and your first sort of few months. And obviously, you said you had to prove yourself and everything, obviously. Yeah. But that that actual transition period, how did you find that? And um, you know, I've I've just been through it myself with the organisation I'm working for now, and um, you know, it's a bit of a step up for me and, and taking on a big big role. Mm-hmm. And at times, I've felt it's really overwhelming. There's been times when I've gone into Claire and I've, got, I've actually said, you know, I really don't know why I put myself through this, but. You know, I'm three months in and things are really settled and I feel feel great now. I'm really enjoying it. But did you go through any of those sort of peaks and troughs within that first period thinking, what the hell have I done? Yeah. Uh, the the hand <clears throat> kit and warrant card I found, it was like mm-hmm. it, it was like giving away a piece of me. Um, mm-hmm. I found that really difficult, quite upsetting. Um, mm-hmm. And then you think, fucking what have I done? I'm walking away from, I'll give you the most secure job in the world, you know, something that it's all I've really known since I was 23. So since I was a, you know, a proper adult, it's all I've really known, you know, the friends that just naturally you see day to day in the police and you think we're really good mates, but then you go away and you, you don't, you just don't speak, you know, the way the world mm-hmm. is. And I you miss them, you know, I miss the banter. I miss, you know, I, I think there's this nostalgia is, is a terrible thing. And what I found is that your brain emits the part of the police that you didn't like, and yet it will only let you think you lived in this world of, you know, <laughs> absolute chasing cops and having a laugh with your mates and, you know, all having yeah. a takeaway on a Saturday night. And you don't really, you don't yeah. realize what about, you know, Christmas being canceled? What about you can't mm. have a holiday this year because of Silverstone? And it's like, but I bought mm. my holiday because I thought I was off no, sorry, you can't do that. Or, you know, all of those things. You don't ever miss, you don't ever remember or think about those. You just miss, remember when me and -and so-and-so were, you know. So that's that's a constant battle. Like I still battle that even today, which is why I love working on police shows because I get to, you know, talk about it and still be around the same people. Um, Mm. Because I genuinely, you know, love speaking and being around cops. Yeah. And that transition, the the new role that um, you know, new information, all of that sort of stuff. How have you found that? Or how Again, did you find it? Yeah, I while, it overwhelming it? and thinking, you know, I, maybe I can't be that person, mm. you know, because cops are a certain type of a person. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I now mix with filmmakers, and you know, they think completely differently, um, mm. and they talk completely differently, and they behave differently, and you know, there's a lot different. You, you, I guess you kind of have to reinvent yourself a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the secret is being able to reinvent yourself a little bit, but still remember exactly who you are. You know? um, oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I read about this actually the weekend, all about humility and, and the, how important that, you know, yeah. remaining humble is without a shadow of a doubt. It's the single yeah. most important behavioural trait without a shadow of a doubt. 
surround yourself with people who know what they're doing yeah. <laughs> and just learn as much as you possibly can. Definitely. Yeah. Um, sorry, go on. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, I don't know what the exact quote is, but about being the, you're the average of the, the eight closest people to you, you know, so mm. just try and surround yourself with positive people who want the same things and are striving for the same things. And collectively you will all achieve the same things. I think, mm. I think there's some science behind that. And I think that's, mm. you know, um, yeah, you're right. but yeah, so it's been, it's been good at learning to not talk so much as a, like a cop is important. Um, you know, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a roller coaster. I mean, it still is I'm still not without its yeah. challenges. You know, I'm now in a very much a freelance world and quite cutthroat, you know, this is the biggest thing I've realized in the, the jobs outside of the police is you can't hide. <laughs> yeah. Really. It's very, very different environment. The, um, so how did your first documentary come about? So I, I was, I was dropped in and it was already in the latter stages of development. It was channel four dispatchers want to make a film about County lines. And in particular from the voices of the kids involved in it, not the smash and grab blue lights mm. the cops have gone through the door and we've locked up this, you know, let's talk about the reality that this County lines is not about black young males selling drugs, right? This is about white middle-class kids being brought into it and being groomed into it. And we set out with that goal of, can we get those voices on film? Because we thought the only way you can get some sort of change for people to realise that this is what's happening is so they can hear it. And that's incredibly difficult in documentary because you've got all the compliance and the safeguarding issues to deal with, you know, because you can't just put, you know, this kid on TV, you've got to, mm. you know, disguise voices and change identities and do all mm. that. Um, so yeah, it was thrown in at the deep ends. We've promised Channel 4 we're going to make this film. Channel 4 paying for us to make this film. Mm. And we've now got to go out and get people to talk and find stories. And that was where, you know, your skills as a cop comes in because, you know, I was very lucky and had help from colleagues and that I've worked with, um, pulled strings and, you know, open doors for us. And I think mm -hmm. we ended up getting, well, we got some incredible stories. I mean, I mean, tragically, halfway through, we're trying to make a, a film about people being groomed by county lines and the pressures on them. And one of our main contributors, Jacob, well, he, so his mum was a contributor. Jacob was being groomed, you know, he was 14, 15 years old, groomed into dealing drugs, white, comes from a good background. And halfway through the production, Easter Sunday, he hung himself. So we've got his mum in the film talking about how she's at the end of her tether because she's not getting any help. And, you know, middle of the night, she can't control him. He's going out and dealing drugs. And then we have this moment in the film where all of a sudden she's talking about him in the past tense. And it's like, well, that's, that's because the pressure that he was under to, to carry on doing what he was doing. Um, and I think at that point, being a cop in that room, dealing with the, the grieving mother, that's mm. when you realise, I know how to talk to people in this situation. And that's when you know, that's a transferable skill. Not, I've been, I've been employed by the police for 14 years is not a transferable skill. The transferable skill is how you can, how you've got that emotional intelligence through experience to be able to go and talk to somebody. You know, that's, that's an example, you know.
Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. So powerful. Um, and that was so well received as well. You know, it was, it was so, you know, that I know the reviews and, and it was just a brilliant, really impacted piece of work and uh, something you should be incredibly proud of without a doubt. Um, what are you currently working on, mate? Well, I then, well, then stroke a look, pitched my own, wrote my own show called The School of Hard Tricks. I pitched it as magician school for young offenders. So I wanted to combine both skills. And the idea was to take people who maybe needed a bit of help in hand and teach them to be magicians. But for it not to be a magic show, for it to be a documentary that has heart and soul. And amazingly, in my first year in telly, I got my own three-part commission through BBC. Um, that's, yeah, that we went into production. I was in it. Um, and it was never, I'm in it, but I do, I think I do one sort of trick, one mind-reading trick. I am just the, the mentor of, you know, I had, I had a gang member that went back and on this journey of, just transformed as a human and ended up going and apologizing to his family for the person he'd become. And, you know, all of a sudden he's closing a show for a stand innovation at the Alhambra theater after training. And you, know, you see on camera, I get, I'm quite moved and upset by it. Cause it was, mm. you know, we've got mm. a kid with autism who's been expelled from school and just been rejected at every stage of his life. Now learning tricks and being a showman, you know, we got, there were loads of beats to it. Um, and it was incredible to be, I was incredibly fortunate to be able to get the, you know, well, I guess it's like, you, know, you make your own look, don't you? If you don't have the idea, you're never going to get it. But um, mm. I pitched to a room of TV execs and walked away with a commission. So that justified my existence in the company because they had kind of took a punt on me. And then you could very much in production companies, you're very much, you've got to battle for why are you paying me this money? Because I can generate ideas because I can open up doors. I can get access. I know stories. And then ultimately that one, I managed to pitch and, you know, win a, you know, 190,000 pound production for, for them to make. And you think that's a big bit of business. I didn't see big, No, of course. No, but a big bottle test as well. So to stand in front of those execs and, and try and pitch yeah. like that as well, that is a proper bottle test. Yeah. I, I could not do it. I tell you that for nothing. <laughs> I, I would have, it's not a hope in hell. Well, I, you know, I kind of play on the, I, I win people over with the whole, you know, I'm older and I'm new in telly, you know, you know, most people my age are, are execs or, you know, running their own production companies. You know, I've had to go in right. at the bottom and battle for, you know, status, I guess. Um, mm. But while still trying to learn to be a filmmaker, you know, we, mm-hmm. you know, I've watched telly for years and never understood the art of it and the art of mm. storytelling and that, you know, Channel 4 obviously gave me training in that, but to work with these directors and filmmakers who are so passionate, you know, about what they're doing. And, mm. you know, I'm very blessed. And um, so then, yeah, we, we made that. And then I got, I went on to a, a Channel 5 show called Police Hour of Duty, um, which is, you know, I was a compliance producer on that. So it was making sure that the safeguarding well-being of contributors in the film is, you know, legally, are we allowed to put them into it? Um, mm very challenging because I think sometimes blue light documentaries sometimes can exploit people in there, you know, and, and I try not, I try to clear, stay clear of those. Um, but it is a fine line between is this good for the cops and the force or is it good for the production company who's selling 10 episodes to channel four mm. somewhere in the middle, um, you know, and some companies are a lot better than others. Um, 
you know, but that's a whole different story about how mm. the use media and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm. And now I'm on um, BBC's The Moment of Proof, which is fantastic because I'm just ringing my old mates and getting stories and managing to make episodes of them. I now get to go and talk to colleague, ex-colleagues and officers. Um, and, you know, the, there could be people in listening to this that have got a story or, you know, a case that they liked that they want to, you know, because it's quite, you know, having a 30-minute programme that you can show your friends and family of an excellent piece of, a piece of police work, you know, that, that's fantastic. A lot of people, you know, as with every carp, you know, grunt and groan about, oh, I'm not doing that TV thing. But actually, to go through that process of recounting what you did and the good that you brought and the result that ended up is a wonderful process for you as a human because mm. we all just do our jobs and we don't realise just how good humans we are. You know, we are doing good human work. Yeah. And I think sometimes to go through a TV process and get that is a lovely moment to sit down with your, your family and say, do you know what? I did this case because there are some... There are some really good stories and excellent police work. You know, we're the best police force in the world. You know, this is a way to showcase it with some nice lighting. You know, a director will never, ever make you look terrible. You know, the, the skin toning that we can do in edit suites is phenomenal. You know, it's, it's, uh, it'll always be your best I'd, I'd need a bit more than that, mate, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's, that's been a fantastic process to go through. Um, and again, it, it value, I feel like I can bring things to the table because, you know, you, I get leaned on quite heavily in a policing environment. What do they mean? What's that cop saying? You know, but, and, and I find it quite hilarious sometimes just how excited TV people get about police work. I'm like, mm. you, you know, they'll get excited about constant obs. I'm like, yeah. you do realise, like, <laughs> that is hell, you know. Well, you know, we've got, oh, it's got, we've got a drugs warrant. Oh, drugs warrant. It's like, you do realise what that means is we're going to go through the door, find a speck of cannabis to justify the raid, and then we're going to sit around waiting, and then somebody's got to do exhibits, and you've then got to go back to the Nick and book those exhibits in, and then you've got prisoners, and you've got a PIU sergeant like me who doesn't want to take you prisoner. So guess what? You're now dealing yeah. with it. They don't yeah. see that. They just see the bash yeah. in the air. Wow, that's great. Um, now, obviously, you... you sort of went through the just sort of fly by the seat of your pants and wing it sort of thing and, and see how far you could get. But if anyone is interested in moving into the similar sort of arena as you, what, how would they go about doing it, Ash? You know, are there any you know, you know connecting or anything like that? What's going to be the best way of, of doing that? My biggest piece of advice, I used to think that, and still do, like, that this sort of work would never, ever be available. Like, you see them on, you see programs on the television and just think there's no way I could ever get into that circle. Well, actually you can because you are very different and that's what production companies need. They need people, especially in policing. So my advice is if anybody wants to make documentaries, you know, it's very difficult because, you know, in a, in a dream world, this is what you do. You'd watch a documentary and then you'd find out who the executive producer is. You would then go on to LinkedIn or something called Talent Manager. And Talent Manager is a database of everybody that works in TV. So that exec producer will have a profile. You will be able to contact that exec producer. 
And exec producers normally own production companies. And production companies are who pay you. Mm-hmm. So you could drop them. You could, they're, they're people, they look great interpersonal skills. That, uh, most people that work in TV, like cops, know how to chat and like people. You could cold call them and say, I would really love, I'm, I'm really interested in transitioning into documentary filmmaking. I feel like I could offer something with my extensive career within blah, blah, blah. Um, would you ever have five minutes to have a chat and have a coffee um, to advise me? So you're not asking for a job, mm. you're saying, and I can tell you, I can reverse engineer what they'll be thinking. They'll be thinking, you might be able to bring, you might be able to open a door for me. So they will probably mm. get back to you um, and have a chat. My advice would be know your subject matter. Don't just say, I want to make, I want to make a film. Know what f- documentaries you liked, know why you like them, have a bit of knowledge about, you know, f- TV and film and the way things work. Um, but yeah, cold call. There are jobs you could go and get a job on a week's, so you could take a week's annual leave and go and be a runner on a documentary program to see how it works or a television, mm. you know, mm. because I get asked sometimes, you know, we've tried to get things away in Northamptonshire and stuff, and it's always get asked, oh, do you know anybody that would come and drive for us for a day and do a bit of running? And it's like, mm. yeah, I do. I know lots of retired cops that would probably be up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, contact directors, you know, watch a film and tweet the director because I can tell you now from somebody who is when your show goes out, you are watching the show, but you've seen it seven times in the edit and you're watching Twitter to think, what do the people, what do people think of it? Am I getting slapped off? Is is it being well received? Are people, Mm. if if you at the director, they'll be at home with a glass of wine going, Oh, there's a copy. You know, if you message them and say, I saw your film, I really liked the message or the story you told. You know, you've got a contact them. You've got a dialogue. You've got a, you know, it's, but then you've got the other, you've got the other scheme. You've got schemes, you know, you've got channel four scheme. That's, that will be back. You know, I now full circle. I now teach on that course, which is ridiculous to think that wow. years ago I went on it. And now I teach about dealing with vulnerable people because of my, wow. you know, channel four pay. I get paid for that. And, you know, and it's nice to go down to Channel 4 for a day and deliver training. From that, I got offered, will you go to Albania to teach university students in Albania about journalism? I'm like, but I'm not even a journalist. You know, it, it's amazing what happens when you're in there. And when you talk as a cop, mm. everybody stops and listens in that world. Um, so it is it's possible for anybody to do it. But Incredible. But be also be realistic with yourself. Let me tell you what, who, who shouldn't go to TV and shouldn't work in TV. People who moan, people who are negative, people who are angry. You know, anger's good, but you've got to be angry in a positive way. You know, don't, don't talk, you know, don't go fill a room and talk about how bad the police is, you know, mm. yeah, because the police is not bad. The police is still, I think, one of the greatest jobs you can do. And I always say, I actually, a lot of people say the job's changed. I don't think the job has ever changed. I think we change. I actually think the job's always, the the job has always been the same. I think we change as humans, you know, Mm. strip it all back, strip all the politics aside, strip all the frustrations aside. Police work is always going to be police work. But yet, you know, I certainly changed. Um, 
So yeah, so I I walk everybody I speak to about the cops. I love the cops, even cops when they say you used to be in the cops and now you make TV. God, I bet you're I bet you're relieved. I'm like, I know I still love this job. I don't ever, you know, I might end up going back. I don't say, you know, I, I used to think about what is my career. I used to constantly say that I am a you know, my career is I'm a cop. Now I think what is my life and. If you say what is my life, you don't worry about what your career is. You do whatever you want to do, you know. And I'm a, I will forever now say yes to things, you know. And I will never ever say I'm not going to do that or that's not possible. Mm. At the moment, I'm working. I'm very lucky, and I'm working making television programs. But mm. you know, I enjoy training. I enjoy lecturing. You know, I see lecturing jobs come up and think, well, I'm, who knows? In a year's time, I might do that. You know, because. I, I want to do what I want to do. And, you know, yeah. the moment I stop enjoying it, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And all the stuff you're talking about with regards to sort of, you know, the people who shouldn't apply for these type of roles, you know, that negativity, that's across the board. Yeah. You know, people pick up on that in interview. They sort of almost see it in CVs, but the split second you, you go face to face with anyone, you come over as negative or you're disrespectful about your old boss or your old firm or anything like that at all. It's a straight no. It's a straight no. People don't want that in any environment, you know, so, so yeah, you, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to have that right mindset without a shadow of a doubt. Um, great story, mate. I've been dying to get you on here for ages. I know we've been sort of toing and throwing and, and trying to get booked in and, and things have come up both sides. So I, I really do appreciate it. And if, if people want to connect with you, Ash, what's the best way of doing that? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, yeah. I'll contact Ashley Turner at gmail.com. Um, yeah, but you know, I, I, when you asked me to be on here, I genuinely thought, well, why I don't, I don't think I can, you know, because I'm very much, I'm still working it out. Like I'm, I'm not, I've not yeah. finished. I'm still, you know, trying to make my way in another industry now by just being a nice guy and, you know, bribing people with Freddo's, you know, that's my, <laughs> you know, just be the guy that people want to have working for them. Um, yeah. but yeah, I thought, what can I offer? But, um, if it is, you know, if people think I love documentaries, I love watching Louis Theroux, you know, no, I want to do, I want to travel the world and make films in high pressure conflict environments that bring about change and that give yeah. voices to people that don't get voices. You know, yeah. if you want to do that, you can do it. Great talking to you, mate. Thank you so much for your That's time. Up. Absolutely a legend. Really, really appreciate it. Take care, mate. Keep up the good work. I really hope you enjoyed that interview with Ash. Um, I mean, he just came out with so many great one-liners and his response to uh, to the interview question and, and just the journey he's been on from a really speculative interview was just fantastic. It was lovely catching up with him again. Um, so if you like what you've heard, then please leave a review and click on five stars. It really does help in terms of getting the whole message and the podcast out to uh, to other cops. And uh, it all works with the Apple algorithms to make sure that it's uh, it's seen by the right people. So please do leave a review and hit five stars. Don't forget you can go to Blue Light Levers website, which is www.bluelightlevers.com. And you can also uh, join the private Facebook group, which is www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Blue Light Levers. Look forward to speaking to you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye for now.